on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt will be piloting the ship solo as young Nick heads off to a far and distant land to get away from it all. Worry not though, the angry one has you covered on all things Kenobi leaks, which this week further flesh out the series' opening episodes as well as the potential of a huge cameo from the prequel era. After Kenobi time, the show will move on to a new casting rumor for The Mandalorian Season 3, as well as some casting news for Andor. The final topic of the day will revolve around Star Wars Eclipse and its already troubled development. Of course, the show will close out with this week's version of the fan segment, complete with question of the week responses and the latest iteration of our top 5 Star Wars fan artist features homage. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody, woo woo! How's it going? It's a another week, which means it's time for a brand new episode of the Star Wars Time Show, and it's solo. So sorry for those of you that hate my guts, think I'm too loud, stupid, annoying. You just get me. Nick left us. He flew the coop, as they say. He left the nest. He is on his own. No, he's actually, I think he's taking a trip overseas, and, you know, we got our signals crossed a little bit. I thought he was still going to be here today. Uh, he didn't do the top five. I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, so I guess Nick is out already. And, and that's the case. So, yeah, you just get me today. Hey, now. Hey, now, everybody, and a woot woot to you. So I'll do my best to uh, fill the void of no young Nick. It, it's not my favorite to do shows by myself. But considering I get paid to essentially talk into a mic for my real job, it's not that big of a deal. I'm sure I have plenty of hot air infused with some Star Wars love to give to you all today. Maybe, maybe I'll yell. Maybe I'll have a stroke. Or maybe I'll start singing about puppy dogs and ice cream. You just do not know when it's just me driving the show by myself. So, got some good stuff to talk about today. Yes, we're still not in an active season of the show, so it's not going to be that much fun, but we do have some new stuff to speculate on when it comes to Kenobi, Mr. Hello there, old Ben himself, as well as possibly his former master. We're going to talk about some Kenobi failures across his career as a Jedi. We're going to address some rumors about Kenobi. We're going to address some rumors about the Mandalorian. We're going to talk about some peril going on at uh, the development of Star Wars Eclipse. Lots of good stuff to talk about today before we get into the fan segment. The reason most of you are here, so sorry you got to sit around for an hour or so and listen to me, blah, blah, blah. As my girl Greta would say, blah, blah, blah. All right, everyone, we're ready to get down and do this version, this iteration of the SWTS, okay? If you're not, who cares? We're moving forward. All right, so before getting into the Star Wars topics for the day, 
If you're on the live stream, which I'd love for you to join in, you can do so. Most Tuesdays around 2.30 p. East on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, you will find this lovely little Star Wars podcast for a more uncivilized age in your YouTube. And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a little subscribe. Click that button. Click it. Click it now. You know you want to. Look, I'm waving my hands. You will click the button. You will click the button. All right. Thank you. If you have already subscribed, we love you. All right. We speak your names. Just make sure to turn on notifications. And as always, like and comment on any video that comes out of this channel. All right. Any video. Every single ones, even the crappy ones. Hold on here. It looks I think my special guest is here early today. There she is. The little Jedi. The Padawan is back from school. Hello. <laughs> Got my special shirt on today. I'll talk about here in a little bit, right? You like that shirt, don't you? Yeah, your daddy does love Star Wars just a little bit. All right, good to see you. You want to get your iPad? So you can do your little homework. Hey, there you go. We keep we keep things interesting on the Star Wars Time Show. It's not scripted. The set's not locked down. You never know who may come in view. Although I, I need to talk to her because I think she broke my. Uh, Got some ray gun props. Looks like some dude 3D printed of them. And he, and he, you know, if you're on the live stream, you can see it. And he, you know, he weathers them up real nice. It's it's a decent prop ray gun. She wanted one. We ended up buying two for some reason. So I took the other one to display. And I came down this weekend and looky here. The, the barrel fell off. And I have a feeling it happened when a little person that lives in this house asked on Sunday, Hey, Daddy! Can we get the dark saber? Because we, for some reason, we we're building the, the the new Lego sets have come out. You know, it's a new month. Uh, we got a couple new Lego sets. We got the um, Boba Fett throne room from Book of Boba, and the kind of the Luke rescue from Mando S two E eight. So, being a little kid, she wants Dad to build them so she can play with them. But then we also had to watch the finale of Mando S two. Yes, I teared up again watching. Watching the Grogu separation from Din. Oh my God, it's rough, man. It's not only my Star Wars love, but being a parent, as some of you may have already had to do yourselves, or you're you're like me and you're you're kind of pretending this day is never going to come. Um, but when I see that moment, it's like shit. That's going to be me in probably ten or eleven years, twelve years, and uh, saying goodbye to my little one that comes down here on Tuesdays and. And having the trust that she'll be all right and I won't be able to protect her anymore. You, you know how it is, Dad, especially of, of little girls. So uh, anyways, we're, we're building all this. We're watching Book of Boba finale, Mando finale. She's like, we got to get the Darksaber. So I sent her down to get it, and I think that's when she broke the gun. And she <laughs> decided to not tell me about it until I found it today. So I'll have to interrogate her after the show. But anyways, there you go. So yeah, those Lego sets are pretty good, by the way. Uh, but moving on, uh, like I said, we got lots of Star Wars stuff to talk about today. But before I get there, I, I do want to hit on some uh, kind of hot, hot, say it with me, hot pop culture uh, th th these days. And that is Matt Reeves's Batman or The Batman starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Colin Farrell. Who else? Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright. I, I mean, all sorts of studs in the cast. 
golems in it. I mean, Jesus, you can't couldn't ask for anything more. So, you know, last week we were kind of kicking the tires on on the show, and and my co-host Nick was kind of being a Debbie Downer on the Batman, and you know, Nick has been kind of I don't know if he's in the dumps or if my negativity has just completely shifted from me to him, but he he definitely doesn't seem to get as excited about the world of pop culture these days as he used to. You know, maybe he's getting older, life gets harder. I, I don't know. But last week he definitely wasn't having any of the Batman talk. He was like, fuck that, superhero movies, blow. Yeah, I accused him of being the Martin Scorsese of the Star Wars time show. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Martin doesn't believe superhero films are deserving of any sort of uh, fandom or critical praise, but whatever. So, you know, Nick, Nick is our new Scorsese, and that's fine. We, we, we need some of that highbrow um, mantra brought to the show here because I, I clearly bring it down left and right. Um, but Nick wasn't down with the Batman. I was. I was like, I, I got to go check out the Batman. I, I, I'm not one of these people that thinks Robert Pattinson is a schlub and just a pretty face. Uh, all you have to, all you have to do to prove that to yourself is watch that. I believe it's called The Lighthouse. Uh, he's in it with Willem Dafoe, and that's some acting. I, I still don't know what the fuck that movie was about or what was going on, but. Pattinson probably pulls off one of the best on-screen interpretations of masturbation that I've ever seen. I believe he probably just did it for real on set. Uh, so I knew Robert was going to be, his acting chops were up for the role. I was never concerned with that. Uh, when I go into a new Batman, it's more of, is this just going to be more of the same, same formula? You know, little Bruce, wah, he becomes Batman. And um, it, it isn't. Uh, here's the deal. Just a, a quick recap of, of my take on the Batman. I do think it's a very good movie, first and foremost. Let's get that out of the way. I mean, it's up there with the Nolan trilogy, uh, if not parallel to it. I'm not going to say it's better. I'm not going to say it's worse, but it's definitely in line with what Nolan did with the character. Um, possibly even a little more uh, gritty. I know people don't like when you talk about Batman movies and say gritty. Uh, I, it just felt like a little more real world, if you can believe in, you know, vigilantes and cat and in um, bat suits flying around big cities. Um, but I, I will say, you know, let's start with some of the negativity. Okay, uh, it, it is very long, and uh, one reason for its length is the cinematography is stunning. So a lot of time gets added in just scene transitions and the way Reeves and his cinematographer decided to film certain parts of the movie, scenes of the movie. Really, every, every frame feels like a, a work of art, okay? But that does add to the runtime. Um, there are moments that drag where it's just like, all right, let, let's, hey, yeah, that looks great. That's a, that's a kick-ass shot. I wish I could do it as a toy photographer, stuff like that. But it's like, okay, sometimes we just need to move on. So I will say the three-hour runtime, for me, uh, did feel like it, it could drag at times, um, especially during Bruce Wayne uh, dialogue moments, which luckily there are not many. And I will say, kind of circling back to Robert, I think Robert is a bitchin' Batman. Fantastic. He's got the voice down, the look, the, the physical skills, all that. Uh, I was not a big fan of his Bruce Wayne, and it's not so much Robert, it's the, the decisions they made with his look as Bruce Wayne. Like, why not quaff his hair a little bit? 
All right. Uh, leaving his hair like a lot of other Robert Pattinson characters, I, I, at least for me, uh, kind of took me out of the moment when we were on Bruce Wayne scenes. But that, that, that's a minor gripe. Um, so outside the runtime, there's, there's not a lot of downside to this movie. And even at three hours, it does, it moves at a pretty decent pace. It's not like you're sitting there looking at your watch like, oh, come on already. Come on, Bruce, quit brooding and move on. Uh, But I I did find some parts that could have been a little bit more well edited or, or cut altogether. But outside of that, it, it is, it's fantastic. I mean, uh, it, it's probably the best overall acted Batman movie I've ever seen in terms of the full cast. I'm talking everyone from the background characters, the stunt people, and, and really the stars. Um, I mean, the stars just, it, it's like there, there's a Heath Ledger in every character here. Pattinson was great. Dana was great. I mean, Colin Farrell, whoever did his makeup should win an Oscar. All right, we we all kind of knew he he was going to have this transformation and look very differently, but but seeing him in the movie and the way he acts and it just it it all seems natural. It doesn't even seem like that's Colin Farrell makeup. It just seems like it's a guy, and that guy happens to be one of the more well known uh, male celebrities out there. So um, and and Zoe Kravitz is another one. I mean, my God, I I knew she was a stunning looking young lady from movies I've seen her in in the past, but the way she is styled in the Batman, Zoe is a sex goddess. I mean, what a beauty, what a talent. Uh, I will say, I think the mask they use for her, for Catwoman, is is dumb. Uh, I didn't quite get it. I mean, it's like a oversized ski mask that only covers her nose, and the rest of her face is fully covered outside of these little pinched up ear points on the top of the um on top of the mask that she wears but but zoe i mean there there are multiple scenes where it's hard to just not go oh oh i love you you look so pretty i wish you liked me too all right i didn't do that that's a little creepy but um um just wow I mean, I, I would go to see it again just to, to see her and some of the costumes they get her in. She's, she's pretty fantastic. Uh, we got some people in the chat here. Let's see what they're saying. Uh, Big Joe, Klondike Joe, he loved it. Bat was, he's questioning the Alfred dynamic. And I, 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 I'll give you that. It's like I said, I feel like the, uh, the most off aspect of the Batman is when Pattinson is Bruce and and there aren't many moments that that takes place but yeah I I don't know what it was it's not necessarily the acting for me it was the way they made Bruce Wayne look I mean he was very uh, emo you know brooding stuff like that Uh, I would have liked a little more quaffed hair a little more put together but hey we are dealing with a young Bruce Wayne this is only two years into his adventure as the vigilante so uh, while I know this movie pulled from multiple comics during this timeline in Batman's life, in terms of cinema, we've never really seen the, you know, two years into Batman, Batman. Uh, so I, I, I dug that. I, I really love the look of Gotham and having Bruce live in a skyscraper versus being offsite in a mansion. Um, I don't know. I, I just I, I thought it was very well done. I mean, it it completely is deserving of the ratings it's getting on Rotten Tomatoes if you subscribe to that type of stuff. 
I would say I haven't looked at it since last week, but last week the critics were kind of in like a mid 80s, like 86 percent. And the fan base was at like a 96 percent. I would actually say it, it for me, I'm probably more in line with the critics. It's like a high 80s, low 90s versus a, a perfect 10 out of a 10. But I um I don't know I I think it 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 kicked ass and it's something I would have no problem going to the theater again even with the increased ticket prices at AMC uh, to see the Batman. Uh, good thing for those of you that don't like to venture out quite yet. I believe it's going to be hitting HBO Max mid April because uh, it looks like Warner's plan in 2022 is to. You know, tentpole movies go to theaters, they get 45 days exclusive access to a theater, and then it will roll over into HBO Max. So I do think the Batman will be hitting HBO Max come, I don't know, like April 18, April 19, uh, something like that. So if I don't get out and check it out again, I will probably wait for the HBO Max. I will say I think a part of my screening was affected by other human scum. Uh, this is like one reason I know everyone is like, Hey, let's go back to normal life. And it's like, great. And it's not that I'm scared to, it's just, I've gotten so used to not having to deal with shitheads that dealing with shitheads again, it, it just, it sucks. And I had a gaggle of shitheads in my Batman screening. At one point in time, I thought I had the whole damn theater to myself. It's like uh, the, the AMC by me, they, 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 they sold out on Batman. And not meaning they sold out tickets. They're like, fuck it. Every screen on Thursday before it's supposed to release is going to be Batman. So there were some empty theaters, empty screenings. And I'm in there and it's myself and one other dude. The movie starts. I'm like, sweet. I'm going to get to watch this with myself and one other guy. I didn't know him, just some stranger, but we were in different rows. Which would have made for a great viewing experience. Then I'd say like five minutes into the movie, you, you hear the door open and you hear the talking and they come in and it's this group of girls and, and they immediately, they turn on their smartphone fucking flashlight during a movie. It's already dark. So now you got like, it looks like a fucking spotlight going on in the movie. And then these dickheads proceed to go up to the top of the theater and they watch the movie as if they were sitting in their own freaking basement. There was absolutely zero consideration for anyone else in the screening. Now, granted, it was just myself and another dude, but who cares? If you go to a fucking movie theater, have some courtesy, all right? I don't know what it is with these, these people these days that feel like, hey, I can do whatever the fuck I want when I'm in public. It's my right, my right, right, my right. I mean, these same people probably were taking a detour from that dumbass trucker rally or convoy thing with these people. They don't know what they're protesting anymore because it's my right, my freedom. I paid for a ticket. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. You can't come into a theater and just start talking with the same level of volume that I'm talking with now. So I let that go for about 15 minutes because, you know, first, I don't want to cause a scene. I know on this show, I come off as some loudmouth asswipe, but in public, I, I am, I'm Mr. Avoid All Conflict, right? It's an easy way to not have to deal with people. If you don't like people, then don't get mixed up in stuff that can cause conflict. So I was in there going, hoping like, hey, maybe these people aren't complete piles of shit. 
Maybe they'll eventually realize that they're in a movie theater and they should be quiet. Well, that didn't happen. Okay? So 15 minutes go by. I'm like, all right, I got to say something. I got to say something. This guy in front of me clearly isn't going to say something. He's just going to take it. And I can't do that. You know, at some point in time, this little guy builds up enough pressure that I have to let it out or I'm going to go nuts, like stroke out type of nuts. So I'd be sitting there like in my seat if I didn't release the valve. So, you know, 20 minutes, I'm like, all right, that's it. And luckily they started to get up because they spilled all their popcorn. popcorn. And as they're walking down the steps, still same level. And that, 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 that was it. That was it for me. I pop my mask off because, yeah, I still wear my mask in a movie theater. I'm a tough guy. And I go, are you serious? I should have said, why so serious as a call back to the great Heath Ledger playing Joker. But I was like, are you serious? Is this for real? Like, can you please have some common respect for your fellow man in watching this movie? And they're like, oh, sorry, we thought we we were the only people in the theater. I was like, you're not! At which point, they leave, get their stuff. I think they came back in one more time. They, They shut the fuck up, so it worked. But then they eventually just left the screening altogether. So I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I scared them, offended them. I don't know. But people, take it from me. Don't be a piece of shit. It's not that hard. Do you, I mean, some of you need, need religion to teach you, teach you this. Some of you need to go to church to teach you this. Whatever it takes, don't be a piece of shit. Okay? Have a little respect. For, those, for, the, for the humans you come across in life, especially in a public setting. All right? If it's your private property and people are coming there messing with you, go ahead. Fuck them up. But if you're in a public setting, in particular a movie, where, they, where before it even starts, they essentially say, hey, shh, shut the fuck up. Don't be an ass. Don't be an ass. It's not that hard. Okay? It is not that hard as crazy as I can get on this stupid little show I can still go in public and compose myself and act like a normal responsible adult all right have a little compassion for others around you do the right thing the golden rule like I said whatever you need whatever you need do it do not be a piece of shit Okay, that's today's PSA. I forget last week's PSA, but I think I was screaming about something again. But um, I'm trying to get away from that. I know everyone likes when I get crazy, but I don't like to do it too often. Because I do, there are some Tuesday nights after a show where it's like, especially when everyone's like, ooh, that was a good one. He was really uh, loud that time. I'm like, oh shit, what did I do this time? What did I say? Who's going to hear this? Am I going to get in trouble? But when it comes to being in public and just people acting like they own the world, it's just nothing makes me more disgusted in humanity. And, you know, they, they, they were younger generation people. And, and maybe they didn't see people sitting in the seats because there were only two of us. But still, what the fuck are you doing? Go to a movie. Like, the Batman costs extra money. Why, why are you going to spend money to buy tickets and then go sit in a movie that's three hours long and talk the entire time and not pay attention? 
I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, that shit to me is 10 times worse than the assholes that feel like they need to eat for an entire movie, especially when, you know, we're, we're in crowded theaters and you got a stranger next to you. Because I, I, I'm not afraid to go to movies by myself. I'm an old fucking guy. I don't care. I got a family. Uh, you know, it's just uh, my wife and a kid. So we can't always go and go to movies as a couple anymore. So I go by myself. So sometimes I'm sitting next to strangers and then you're sitting there, they're drinking, they're eating. It's like, why? You're only in there for maybe two hours, two and a half in the case of Batman, three hours. You, you can't sit for three hours without stuffing your face. Really? Come on. You don't need to do that. The only time you need to eat in a theater is when you need to keep a five-year-old entertained while you are watching a movie that she probably doesn't want to watch. Okay? I'll give you that pass because I do it myself. Uh, but these other people, you're getting the big-ass things of popcorn or full-on dinners these days, and the whole time you're like, mwah, 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 mwah. it's like, come on. No wonder we're such a big, fat-ass country. Take a chill. Look at it. Hey, it's a, it, it, it's a two- to three-hour break, so you're not grazing and eating and getting fatter. It's not that hard. You can do it. If I can lose weight and not eat all the time, you all can do it, too. All right, you guys miss it. I, I, this is like semi in shape, Matt. There was a time where I weighed 230 freaking pounds on a 5'6 frame. Envision that. It wasn't pretty. All right, but guess what? When I was a fat pig, I still wasn't eating during a movie. All right, life lesson. Yep, Trevor, you got it. We got Trevor on the stream here, one six shooter. I am solo today, just like my solo experience going to view the Batman and having to deal with some loud POSs. Um, so that's that. I mean, that, uh, if you haven't gone out and seen it yet, it, it's well worth a viewing in the theater as long as you don't have it spoiled by some other human scum in said theater. Um, but it, it's definitely a, a, a slick movie. One of the better Batmans um, up there with the Nolan trilogy. I'm not going to put it above or below. It's definitely in line, if not slightly uh, inching above. But like I said, it's, it's well done. A, a, a DCEU film that you can applaud. And there haven't been many. You know, you, the, the Aquaman was decent. Uh, Peacemaker is probably the best thing in the DCEU at this point in time. The first Wonder Woman was good. I mean, that's really all we're working with. Shazam wasn't bad, but uh, the Batman is uh, way up there, for sure. Way up there. Uh, maybe a little long, but like I said, some of the length I do think comes in due to the way it is told and the way it was shot. It's a very, it's like a high art take on the Batman. I mean, high art. Some of the shots you just look at and you're like, woo! And I believe it's because... The cinematographer is the same guy that, that shot Dune. So if you've seen Dune and not the Batman yet, you get that type of cinematography. It is, it's stunning, but I do think it extends the movie a little bit. Um, yeah, Joe's saying here in the live stream, if you're not on the live stream, you can always join youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, doing it on Tuesdays afternoons. Otherwise, you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, which is the... Um, uh, recorded version here yeah depending on where you live and i think klondike's down in florida yeah batman probably isn't best for opening weekend I i've lucked out i mean being in columbus ohio unless it's a 
an MCU or a Star Wars movie. I mean, these days, Thursday, you know, pre-release screenings are, are still pretty vacant. And uh, as I said, my AMC, they, they were like, screw it. Everything's going to be the Batman on Thursday. So uh, there were plenty of open screenings. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's getting to the point where I may just start renting theaters because uh, it looks like AMC is keeping that program going where you can rent a theater. I think one's like 250 for the theater. Uh, bigger theaters get upwards of 400, but rent it for 250. Only bring people I want in there. Don't let them fucking eat anything. And here we go. We'll get to watch it with people we like, not people we don't like. And there won't be any people eating like elephants. So maybe I'll, I'll start looking to that. Um, I'm just trying to read some of the comments because Nick's not here. That's like my, my interaction for today. Uh, yeah, so one six shooter is he one six is making a comment on how the Batman's not really connected to anything else that DC has released. I, I wouldn't even say it's in the the same DC EU that Peacemaker is in. Peacemaker has, if you've seen the the full series, I mean it's been done for a few weeks. I'm still not going to say it, but Peacemaker is clearly in. The BVS, the Ben Affleck, the, the, the Aquaman, the Gal Gadot, the Henry Cavill, DCEU. The Batman from Matt Reeves is not. And it is, it, it's probably just going to be standalone. It's probably going to get a sequel, so it's going to continue its own little universe. But it's not connected to the others. And, and maybe that's just the way DC has to be. Uh, I've, I've always been a fan of DC first. If you go back in time, DC created comics initially they created the big boys and, and marvel has kind of <laughs> cloned a lot of their characters but hey you got to give feige and, and disney credit because once once they took over and and got in with the mcu and bringing marvel stories to cinema uh, they made dc look silly so uh, i i think trevor's correct there it, it seems dc may be better suited for standalones disconnected stories disconnected universes versus trying to recreate what what um, feige and company have done since 2008 with marvel all right so i just pissed away 35 minutes talking about nothing star wars here so let, let's go ahead and get into it uh, I, I will say the first Topic I'm going to get into it continues with the trend of slight spoilers for Kenobi. So if that's something you are looking to avoid, you might want to tune out for a bit. Maybe I'll remember in the live stream chat to um, type in when we're done talking about it. But uh, there are some slight spoilers, but, th but they're building upon what we've been discussing these past two weeks. Uh, you know, making Star Wars had another update to flesh out. Uh, what I'm thinking is probably going to be the opening of the show, the first two episodes. So if that's stuff you want to not hear, you might want to tune out for the next 10 or 15 minutes. Okay, so five, four, three, two, one, spoil time. All right, so the latest leak, like I said, it continues to flesh out events from the early episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which is set for Disney Plus on May 25. Um, we've just to kind of set up what we've discussed before, uh, we've talked about how Obi-Wan is going to be kind of in a, in a shitty state of mind when we meet him again in the Kenobi series. He'll have been living kind of off the land in caves for the past 10 years. 
He's been cut off from any of his former connections, and even though Jedis don't believe in connections, it's still going to fuck him up, knowing that he can't talk to Yoda, he can't talk to Bale, uh, he clearly can't talk to Anakin because he still thinks he killed him. Uh, he's just he's been disconnected from any relationship he ever had. So he's he's jacked mentally, not in a good place. And that mental state gets uh, worsened due to an interaction with Owen Lars. Uh, so again, if you remember, we, we talked about how early on we're going to see the Larses with Luke go to a market on Tatooine, maybe to sell their water. Who knows? But. They're going to be at the market. Luke's going to be wanting toys. They're going to be telling him, no, we can't. We don't have money. You know, that type of stuff. Uh, while that's happening, we're going, to, we're going to see shots of Leia's life, who's going to be living like a princess, because she is. So, you know, Nick and I were like, that, that's going to be a cool-looking contrast to see the Skywalker twins and how disproportionate their upbringings were in terms of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say quality of life, because people without a lot of money can still have a great life, but... <laughs> Luke's going to be living a much more simple life than his princess sister. So while they're in this market, this is when the Inquisitors are going to show up on Tatooine. And if you remember, they're on Tatooine chasing a Jedi named, a younger Jedi named Nari, who we learned last week had uh, received Kenobi's holocron message, the warning message from Revenge of the Sith, and for the past 10 years has been looking for Obi-Wan to hopefully you know, get some protection and eventually restart the order and take, take back the galaxy. So they follow Nari to Tatooine. Uh, Reva or Reva, the third sister, Moses Ingram's character, uh, while they are looking for Nari, she's going to say she senses Kenobi, but the Grand Inquisitor, played by Rupert Grint, is going to say you're stupid, which is going to mess her, you know, upset her, and then she starts to brutalize the Tatooine inhabitants, cutting off hands, maiming their legs. And, and while this is going on, Owen is watching this. And as he's watching it, he is, in his mind, going, these people are here because of Kenobi. Kenobi is putting Luke in more danger by being here trying to protect them than he would be if he was off planet trying to protect them. So after all this happens, Owen and Kenobi, they have their meeting in the desert and Owen kind of lets them have it. Like, listen, pal, you can't come around Luke. You can't give him that T-16 Skyhopper toy. Uh, you being around him is dangerous. You're putting him in danger. Did you see what happened today, essentially? All right, which, you know, Obi-Wan leaves dejected. Like, damn. I can't even interact with or, or even give a gift to my ward, per se, in Luke. So he goes back to the cave, and at, at, at this point, apparently, this is when Bail Organa is going to show up and be like, Hey, Obi-Wan, I need you. Leia has been kidnapped. All right, so that, that kind of catches us up to the, the latest fleshing out of uh, the opening episodes of Kenobi. All right? So we established we got another Jedi on Tatooine. He's making things hairy for Kenobi by not only bringing Inquisitors there, but also by getting Owen all worked up and against Kenobi, even being on planet to help protect Luke. So the new details come, again, from making Star Wars, that after Obi-Wan and Owen kind of have their meeting in the desert, where Owen more or less tells him to go fuck himself. So Obi-Wan's going to be walking back all dejected, feeling like crap. Even, even 
a bigger pile of poo than he was before. Because you remember, I mean, dude's been living in a cave for 10 years, talking to no one, living off the land. Uh, the only thing keeping him alive are his two charges. First charge, protect the son of Skywalker. Second charge, learn from Qui-Gon Jinn how to channel the um, power of becoming one with the Force upon your death. So that's all he has. So as he's trying to, like, oh, hey, Owen, I just want to give him a damn toy, right? You know, our, us collectors here that listen to this show are like, come on, just, just give him the toy. It's the T-16, probably the one we're going to see in A New Hope that he's going, whoosh, wee, 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 Uncle Owen's not fair. He's never going to let me go to the Academy, that type of stuff. So, again, the new stuff here. So Obi-Wan is walking back to his hovel, all downtrodden, making his way back to his cave. So at this point, apparently Nari, the Jedi, the young Jedi, finally catches up to him and instantly recognizes him, even though, you know, Kenobi is trying to disguise himself. And, he, you know, he's calling to him like, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kenobi. Uh, but Obi keeps telling Nari like, hey, I'm not, I'm not Kenobi. What are you talking about? My name's not Kenobi. In fact, it sounds like this, is, this could be the first time we hear Obi-Wan use his old Ben moniker. Because apparently he tells Nari, like, listen, I, I, I'm not Obi-Wan. My name is Ben. My name is Ben. Really, again, just, just like, get away from me. Like, no, I can't. I, I can't expose myself. I, I, can't even, I can't even confirm to you that I'm Kenobi. That could be dangerous, especially knowing that Inquisitors may still be on planet. All right? But Nari continues to insist, like, I know it's you, Master. I know you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are the great... General Kenobi from the Clone Wars. Um, and eventually this persistence causes Obi-Wan to finally cave and admit to Nari, like, yes, I am Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Jedi Master you seek. All right. So once Nari gets him to admit to this, he expresses to Obi-Wan, like, listen, man, dude, the Inquisitors are going to kill me if I don't get some help. I've, I've been looking for you. I have found you. Will you help me? All right? Will you help me? But Obi-Wan tells Nari, basically, hey, pal, give up. There is, it, it, it's kind of the opposite of Yoda. It, it's like, there is no try, quit. So he's telling Nari, this young Jedi that spent... 10 years or whatever, looking for Kenobi, finally find, finds him, finally gets him to admit he's Obi-Wan. He tells him, give it up. There is no hope. Bury your lightsaber in the sands of this planet. The order is gone. The war is lost. A real Debbie Downer type of response. You know, one, one could argue this... Kenobi, Kenobi may be a version of our young Nick these days and some of his negative attitude. All right. So, you know, Obi-Wan tells this young Jedi who's, who's been looking for him, finally finds him. He's like, come on, man. Yeah, there you go. Bat in the chat. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. And Obi-Wan says, no, I'm your only dope. And he pretty much tells him, like, listen, dude, give up. Hide and survive. 
That's all we can do at this point in time. The Jedi are gone. They've killed almost all of us. Uh, You and I aren't going to be able to mount some sort of insurrection against the Empire. Quit. Bury that lightsaber. So Nari eventually leaves dejected, doesn't listen to Kenobi, probably isn't going to bury his lightsaber. All right, so after this encounter, this is when Bail is going to show up, probably, and ask Obi-Wan for help. And knowing what we know now about how Owen is essentially saying, hey, hey, Kenobi, by you being on planet, you're, you're a bigger danger to, to Luke than not being on planet. So like we talked last week, this is, Nari is actually a great narrative device for the Kenobi show to give fantastic justification for Obi-Wan Kenobi to leave his post on Tatooine and not be there for Luke. I mean, think about it. The other Skywalker twin has been abducted. That, that's a pretty big freaking deal in the galaxy and for those that are in the know, which is just Bale, you'd have to figure maybe his wife, Yoda, and Obi-Wan, and the Larses. And the Larses, they probably don't even know that, that Leia is a thing. They probably just know about Luke. All right, so it, it, the, the whole Nari thing, I love it. I, I think it's going to play out expertly. And like I said, it, it, he, this character is a, just a, a narrative tool to justify to people like me who are like, no, Kenobi can never leave Tatooine. That would be sacrilegious. How could he leave his ward? Well, now it makes complete sense. Young Jedi comes to Tatooine, brings Inquisitors. Inquisitors start messing with people, get Owen Lars. You know, his butthole all puckered up. He gets angry at Obi-Wan, essentially tells him, you're only doing bad at this point by being here. And then Bale shows up with the, hey, uh, by the way, the other Skywalker twin's in trouble. All right. Makes complete sense now why Obi-Wan is going to leave planet. So he agrees to Bale's uh, demands, and he heads off to the spaceport. So here's the other new detail. I know I've kind of been dancing around these and just rehashing old stuff. But Making Star Wars says that en route to the spaceport, Kenobi is going to see something in the distance. And that something, if you haven't guessed, is going to be the corpse of Nari, who is seemingly going to be displayed as a message to Kenobi himself. So, you know, without having much more meat on that bone, I'm, I'm speculating that after Nari gets rejected by Kenobi... He leaves. He's probably not with it. Maybe he was even tracked to, to get Kenobi. Who knows? But the Inquisitors are eventually going to get him and torture him, maybe mutilate him a little bit, and then, like MSW is saying, kind of hang his body in an area where they know people are going to walk by and, and potentially people that are traveling or, or, or trying to stay hidden while they travel are going to walk by and see it. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm thinking the third sister may be behind this because she's the one, as been reported by MSW, that, that totally thinks Kenobi is also on Tatooine where the other Inquisitors aren't getting that feeling. So it's almost like once they get Nari, they're, they're going to make an example of him. Like, all right, well, you want to go search for Kenobi? This is what's going to happen to you if you do so and you don't find him for protection. So this is clearly going to be a message to Kenobi and it's, it's going to hit him like another major failure, which is where we kind of get the today's theme for the show, Obi-Wan's latest failure. And you're going, well, what other failures does the great Mr. Hello there have? Well, I can think of two big ones. 
Now, why we can't fully blame Obi-Wan for Anakin's turn to the dark side, he, he, he's got to get some blame. Even Filoni himself set up in that excellent BTS for Mando S1 that the, the, one of the main reasons Anakin fell is because Qui-Gon died. And Obi-Wan was not the right person to train him because it, it was always going to be more of a brother relationship than a father-son relationship. So Kenobi failed there. His other big failure is leaving Anakin Skywalker alive. Uh, I, I think we all have to imagine during the timeline of Kenobi that Obi-Wan doesn't know for sure if Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Maybe he doesn't even know about Vader yet, but I highly doubt it. You would think within 10 years, some news has probably made it to Tatooine about this new uh, Lord Vader from the Empire that is going around and um, hacking things up. Now, you would think because Kenobi knew that Anakin was calling himself Lord Vader beforehand, maybe deep down he, he, he speculates that, that, oh shit, could this be him? Um, I don't know, that, that's something I wish Nick was here so I could kind of bounce this off of, but how do we think Kenobi is going to process the idea of Vader at this point in time? Is it going to be more like how Ahsoka processed Vader during the Rebels timeline where she didn't know it was Anakin but had a feeling just based on the, the Force and kind of getting tingles from that? And then obviously during their duel and whacking the mask, she finally was like, oh shit, it is him. Do you think o Obi-Wan is going to have a, a similar reaction? Like, I, it may be him, maybe it's not, I'm hoping it's not, I, it, but it probably is. Or do you think he knows deep down that the moment he hears about a Darth Vader that it is indeed Anakin? I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to think about how Obi-Wan's state of mind is going to be in terms of his interpretation of this Darth Vader character. Uh, I, I have to think he has at least heard of him. The question is, does he know it's Anakin? Or does he think that maybe it's something the Emperor has kept up uh, after he seemingly killed Anakin. Um, but either way, he didn't, he didn't get rid of Anakin Skywalker. He thought he did, but he did not. Um, so uh, this is another failure by the great Kenobi with Nari. And can we blame him? I, I get, it's hard because, I mean, you got to think, he, he just got his ass reamed by Owen Lars. Uh, his his main missions in life are not rebuilding the Jedi Order through finding Order 66 survivors. It is protecting the son of the Chosen One and hopefully one day using the Chosen One to bring balance back to the Force, as well as, again, learning how to become a Force ghost. Um, but it, 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 when, when he sees this fallen Jedi specifically as kind of a warning sign to more than likely himself, he's going to feel guilt. He's going to feel like a failure again. So Bat may think Obi-Wan did his best job, but Obi-Wan himself even said to Anakin, I have failed you. I have failed you, Anakin. So he does. Obi-Wan himself holds that internally. He blames himself for the fall of Anakin Skywalker. Now, he should also blame himself for not killing Anakin Skywalker and allowing Darth Vader to rise in his place. 
Um, so, you know, it, it's like I said, I, I, I dig the whole Nari thing and, and what the writers seemingly are doing with the character. Because uh, to me, it provides the best possible reason for explaining how Obi-Wan Kenobi was allowed to leave Tatooine uh, while Luke was just, you know, 10 or 11 years old. <sighs> so, I see we have a lot of Kenobi fans in the live stream. They're, they're not digging my take on Kenobi being a failure for the fall of Skywalker. But he said it himself. Kenobi said it himself. All right, just, just do a rewind on Revenge of the Sith during the duel. He puts the blame on his shoulders. You know, maybe Kenobi should have stood up to the council more. Kenobi knew bringing Anakin onto the council, not at the rank of master, would piss the kid off. So why not stump for him a little bit more? I'm telling you, you people in the chat, you Kenobi apologists, there are things we could really break down to highlight that he definitely had a hand in, in, in Anakin's fall from grace. Now... That's not to say he's the only reason. I mean, we got to put that blame on Anakin himself and being weak and being able to be manipulated by the greatest Sith of all time. Uh, but Kenobi, as a mentor and eventually a friend and colleague, uh, definitely allowed some shenanigans to play out at the council level that he knew full well would not play, uh, play well in Anakin's mind. So there we go. So far this new week, uh, this week, MSW has not um, dropped any new leaks in regarding uh, regarding Kenobi. I am happy to report over on Reddit. They're starting to collect a bunch of Kenobi leaks, rumors, whatnot. And they actually did credit the Star Wars time show with our with our uh, report from back in September when we talked about how Kenobi invader will have more than one duel in the series so that was nice to be included in there uh, you know some comments like hey we don't know if we can trust this site but this is what they said i'll take it um let me check out some of the comments here uh yeah but he still did it bat he still did it buddy right kenobi as much as as great as he was he was a traditional Jedi full of that that hubris that Luke old Luke talked about on Octo he he went along with it he marched to any order they gave him even when he knew uh, they were probably a bad order I would like to think if Qui-Gon was still around he was a bit of a rogue he probably would have told him to go pound salt so um all right Okay, so uh, moving on here. Yeah, we, we made the Reddit we made the Reddit list. Go check it out. Reddit leaks. They're doing a big uh, kind of like a cross section of sites that have provided uh, potential leak spoilers for Kenobi, and we finally got on it. And we made it. I've made it, Mom. Your big boys finally made it. I got a link on Reddit. Too bad, too bad the initial post had like five comments and never even saw the light of day on the main page of that, of that sub, but who cares? I'm in it for the fans, not the Reddits. All right, so uh, we're going to stick with Kenobi, and, and this is something Nick and I uh, addressed directly last week, and it really, I know we've, we've joked about this before, but at some point in time, we need to just start taking our speculations and running them as leaks. Because uh, a lot of times our speculations end up being reported on as a leak. And not that this one is a, a, a should be a huge shocker to anyone, especially those who have been paying attention to Star Wars 
at least for the past 20 years or so. Um, but you remember last week, Nick and I were talking about, hey, Qui-Gon Jinn, he's pretty much a lock for this show, right? He's got to. Uh, especially if you think about it, you know, go back to Kenobi's two charges at this point in the timeline. Protect Luke. Figure out how to become more powerful than you can possibly imagine through becoming one with the Force and becoming Force Ghost, which we know at this stage, <clears throat> excuse me, only one Jedi figured out how to do, and they didn't figure out how to do it perfectly before their own demise. Therefore, they didn't make a full corporeal transition to a ghost. They just became a disembodied voice. And I'm talking about everyone's favorite midichlorian checker, Qui-Gon Jinn. All right. Uh, like I said, anyone that's seen at least the prequels and, and Clone Wars should have a good idea that uh, Qui-Gon Jinn showing up in Kenobi should not be a surprise. It almost seems like it has to happen uh, to, to kind of fill in another gap, tell a little bit more story and, and background on Kenobi and, how, and what he was doing, what he was learning, what he was training in. Was he just meditating or what? Um, and last week, Nick and I were wondering if Qui-Gon is involved, when does it happen? And, you know, based on that last story we just talked about, you could, you could argue that, you know, maybe, maybe we see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan conversing early on, talking about like the, his, his troubles, his struggles with living as a hermit on Tatooine. Um, maybe we could see Qui-Gon show up after the, the, the death of Nare or after the visit of Bale. Uh, maybe Kenobi at that point can already talk to him and, and he's asking him advice like, what should I do, Master? Should I leave? Should I leave Luke? Is, is that the right thing to do? Um, or w would they save the Qui-Gon moment for, let, let's say, the last five minutes of the final episode? where Kenobi's gone through this big ordeal, watched Nari get killed, went, went off planet, saved Leia, got mixed up in, in uh, galactic conflict again with Darth Vader and had another epic fight. Does he make it back to Tatooine? And is that when he's like, you know what? Now it's time to learn what Yoda asked me to learn all these years ago. I'm ready. Uh, I, I know after fighting Vader again physically that I'm not going to be able to do that much longer. I have got to figure out how to become more powerful than Vader could ever possibly imagine. Because think about the line in A New Hope during the duel. And all that was by design. I mean, any, everything that happened in A New Hope, Obi-Wan planned for. All right? He, he, he totally planned for. He knew Luke would end up coming with him. He knew they'd probably run into the, 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 the scoundrel and the Wookiee and the princess. And he knew he would ultimately have to face off with Vader again and that he would sacrifice himself. Now, in the movie, you know, it looks like he's sacrificing himself to let them to get away. But this, to me, is going to be the kind of the conclusion of his plan from the moment he was sent into exile at the end of Revenge of the Sith. That moment on A New Hope where he's dueling Vader and they're talking shit and blah, 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 blah. And when he looks at Luke and sees the twins together for the first time, that's when he's like, all right, everything's worked out. They're together again. They're safe. I know they're going to get out of here, out of here because I'm going to do what I've been planning to do 
ever since I had my last meeting with Qui-Gon, and that was his self-sacrifice. Sat there, started doing whatever, whatever Jedi prayer he had to do to make sure he would disappear before being cut in half, and he literally says to Darth, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. So, I'm kind of with, with Bat here. Um, I'm, I'm with Bat here in the chat thinking that the Qui-Gon moment may be at the very end of the series. Kind of like a little nod to fans. Like, all right, this is when Kenobi, Ewan's Kenobi, is going to start making that full transition into old Ben Kenobi, the Alec Guinness version. The one that isn't so physical in his skills anymore, but is becoming a master of the, the force itself, becoming one with the force. Because he knows when he sees Vader again in the future, and I'm talking future from the Kenobi timeline, that he's not going to have the, the physical skills to go against Vader. I mean, there, there's a good chance in their fights, Kenobi is going to get fairly beat down. I still think he's going to come out on top, but he's probably going to realize like, holy shit, this dude is a force to be reckoned with. And my best bet moving forward is to learn how to become even more powerful than him through the force, not so much through my skills with a lightsaber and all that fun stuff. All right, so th that's kind of what we were um, talking about last week. Yeah, Bat has another good point. And, um, and this kind of plays off of a speculation or theory we threw out last week too that there's a chance that one of the meetings of, of Vader and Kenobi could happen on the unfinished Death Star. You know, you know, Kenobi knew where the tractor beam controls were at in A New Hope. Uh, he seemed to know his way around the Death Star pretty well. When they were flying up on it, he's like, that's no moon, that's a space station. Well, no one else in the galaxy knew that was a space station at that point in time. So, uh, I, I don't know, it, it's... There's, there's still a lot of stuff, a lot of meat still on that Kenobi bone that has not been leaked out. Um, like I said, I, I, I think most of the leaks we have heard are coming from episode one and two. And then by episode three, that's when the whole Vader as the main antagonist plot's going to kick off. And one would think it's going to be kind of a game of, of, of cat and mouse between the two and, and their respective factions. Um. So, yeah, the other thing I want to address about this Qui-Gon rumor and, and making Star Wars is saying that Qui-Gon Jinn will indeed appear in Kenobi, which, like I said, is a huge, no kidding, this is the biggest not shock shock of all Star Wars leaks. Narratively, it makes too much sense to have him involved, so he's going to be there. The question is now, when, in what capacity, or, you know, how much is it going to be there? Is it going to be a, a constant dialogue? Or like I'm kind of postulating with, with Bat in the live stream chat here, will it kind of be not so much a stinger moment, but, but kind of the send-off moment for the series? You, you, um, you know, Obi-Wan returns from his last fight with Vader, somewhat defeated, but somewhat hopeful. Like, all right, that, that taught me something. I know what I need to do now. And that's when he calls out and you hear, Obi-Wan. And they kind of get into it. 
So uh, the other thing that is not known, it, it, making Star Wars cannot report if we're going to see corporeal Qui-Gon, a.k.a. Force Ghost Qui-Gon, or if it will just be the disembodied voice. And, and I would like to kind of touch on this because we're getting into stuff that has already been established in Star Wars canon. So I, it'll be interesting to see how they chose to handle Qui-Gon if he is indeed in Kenobi. So hear me out here. Based on existing canon... Qui-Gon should only be a voice in Kenobi. Uh, this predominantly comes from the Clone Wars, the, the lost season. Um, uh, but also, uh, I, I, yeah, no, yeah, in the Clone Wars, and then obviously we heard about in, in Revenge of the Sith. But it was made very clear in the Clone Wars, especially through the Yoda arc, when he's going onto all these different Force planets, and, and he, he too is hearing Qui-Gon, but he's only hearing a voice and he thinks he's going crazy. The other Jedi think he's going crazy, but he goes out on this mission and just kind of lets the force guide him. And he learns that all along what has been guiding him was indeed Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, the, the story behind the reason why Qui-Gon doesn't appear as a force ghost, like we've seen old Ben, Yoda himself, um, Jedi Master Luke, even Anakin is that Qui-Gon Jinn did not complete the required training before he was murdered by Maul to fully allow his essence to take a corporeal form within the Force. So unless they decide to retcon that canon, which is well established in the Clone Wars, I think we're going to get the voice only. And I, I kind of want that. I, I don't want things to be changed up. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Liam again. But if, if they bring back Liam, they're probably going to have to do some de-aging and, and stuff like that to make him look like the Qui-Gon of the day. Um, and I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's going to cost money. So do they want to spend that money to break canon? So I would, I would rather him just be a voice. Now, there's going to be some people like, hey, but he showed up as a... He showed up in Clone Wars on Mortis, but you got to remember on Mortis, that could have been the brother or the sister because, I mean, Anakin also saw Shmi uh, and they didn't really look like they weren't in a ghost form. They were just in a form talking there. So uh, if you go to season six, the Yoda arc, like I'm talking about, Qui-Gon, you know, he's either represented by a, vo a voice. At one point, he's represented by like fireflies. He clearly can't take his form anymore in the Clone Wars, which is canon. So I, I just, is that something they're going to be willing to break just for a bigger pop of a Liam Neeson cameo in Kenobi? I don't know. Um, you know, Clone Wars is Filoni. He sets the canon. You would think he, he's going to maintain that, but you just don't know. So I'm going with they're going to respect the canon we're only going to hear Liam's voice. We're not really going to see the spirit because if the spirit comes back, it, it really does kind of break a lot of the stuff in Clone Wars um, that was introduced during that, 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 the, the lost season. Um, yeah, of course, money doesn't mean anything to Disney, but um, I, I don't know. They, they've done pretty damn good with the, with the canon for the most part, especially under Dave's leadership as the chief creative officer, whatever the fuck you call him these days. Uh, but that, that would be a fairly big canon retcon for the Jedi if they did bring back Liam in full Force Ghost form 
for a cameo in Kenobi. So that's why I'm going to go with just a voice. I hope it's just a voice. No, I'm not going to be like a lot of Star Wars fans and throw a hissy fit if he does show up and be like, Meh. see, Disney is always trying to destroy my childhood. They ruined the Clone Wars canon. I'm not going to be like that, but it, it definitely is going to be a, a bit of a, a, a bone of contention with me. Like, why? well, you know, if you're going to change canon, why, why do that? It's, it's so well established. It's not just one episode thing either. I mean, there are multiple episodes that Yoda goes on to learn about how Qui-Gon is able to commune after death. And it, it is left with, hey, Yoda's going to learn it from Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan needs to learn it from Qui-Gon. That's what happens at the end of Revenge of the Sith. I mean, Obi-Wan are on Bale's Tantive Four, Yoda more or less says, hey, you got some learning to do from an, from an old friend. And we all know what that means. Uh, I mean, even in live action, Qui-Gon comes back as voice only. I mean, think about in Attack of the Clones, where when Anakin starts slaughtering the Sand People, you hear that, Anakin, Anakin, no! And that, that's Qui-Gon talking, trying to reach out to Anakin to get him to stop. So I, I don't know. It would be a pretty big reversal of canon if Liam does show up in Kenobi. Um, but in the end, it's nothing that is going to ruin my day or piss in my Cheerios. So, that's that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Liam <laughs> wouldn't mind returning. I mean, a paycheck's a paycheck. And if you're in Star Wars, that, that, that pay can usually get legs because then you can go to conventions and signatures and all that stuff if you feel like making revenge or, or not making revenge films anymore because that pretty much seems to be Liam's go-to. Um, it doesn't matter if he's running snow plows or he's just a regular dad. The dude is out for revenge and he's going to fuck you up. So it shouldn't be a surprise to the nerds out there like myself, those that are well studied in all things Star Wars, that Qui-Gon could appear in Kenobi. It really, to me, it's at what point, how often is he used in are we going to get voice only or are they going to buck the cannon and bring back a force ghost? Which, you know, honestly, maybe if they do it, I'm sure Filoni could be like, well, look at the end of Return of the Jedi. Somehow Anakin figured out how to come back as a fully formed force ghost and he never had the training. Hell, he was just a, he was a Sith for most of his life. So, I, I mean, there are some escape hatches, I guess, with the whole Force Ghost canon, but I would prefer to keep it at Qui-Gon didn't quite perfect it before he, his time ended, and that's why he's a voice only. Okay. So, um, kind of getting away from all the Kenobi talk, moving into the Mandoverse, and, and this is a, an interesting one. This kind of popped up last week, and uh, we have to treat it as a rumor because nothing's been officially confirmed and the actor himself didn't really say this. Uh, but if you've ever watched Parks and Recreations, often referred to as Parks and Recs, it's, it's a damn good show. Fun little sitcom. A few careers were launched from there. Well, at least, you know, Chris Pratt, that was kind of his springboard into everything great. Um, no chaos. Uh, Mace did not make it to Force Ghost. 
Uh, but like I said, I mean, I was just on a huge soapbox. But in the end, George Lucas was like, hey, fuck it. Anakin Skywalker can, be, can become one. In fact, he can become one at any age of Anakin Skywalker. Because at first he was Sebastian Shaw. And then he was Hayden Christensen. So who knows? Like I said, I'm probably being a little too uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson here when it comes to Star Wars Force Ghosts. But at least the canon put forth Qui-Gon did not make it to the corporeal form, meaning ghost form. He could only have the, the good old disembodied God voice, if you will. But anyways, back to the Mandoverse. So um, Parks and Rec, good show. Recommend binging it if you've never seen it. it, it it's quite funny. But um, there, there, it, it, it was such a popular show that there's still a podcast for it. And the um, podcast is actually hosted by Rob Lowe and Alan Yang. Rob was was a character in Parks and Rec, and I believe Alan was the writer or possibly the creator, maybe even a producer. So they run this this, uh, podcast called Parks and Recollection, all right? And they had on a former castmate in Jim O'Hare who plays um, Gary Jerry... Larry, who was a, a pretty fun character on the show, a main character, in fact, was in almost every episode. Uh, he was, you know, everyone was kind of comedic relief in Parks and Rec, but, but Gary Jerry Larry really stood out. He was kind of like the punching bag that everyone would make fun of in the office. But um, this guy, Jim O'Hare, he was on this podcast talking about what he's up to. And uh, when asked, like, hey, you know, what, what, what are you doing these days? And, and here's what he said. So Jim O'Hare says, oh, shoot. I don't know if I'm allowed to say where I am. I can say a state. I'm in a state, New Mexico. I don't know. To which Rob Lowe said, I will say, Jim, I know what you're working on. And it rhymes with the late installment of Bar Wars. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, you got, you got Lowe there more or less outing that Jim O'Hare is attached to some form of Star Wars project. Now, of course, Rob doing a podcast, much more popular podcast than this one, but, but I know what it's like to talk on a mic. You know, sometimes you, you got to say things that, that, you know, spark thought in the audience or maybe shake things up throughout the runtime of a show. So I guess you could argue that Rob was just fucking with him, but, but I doubt it. So, you know, doing some digging here, and uh, this, you know, checking out Bestman Bulletin, they had a report on how, you know, Mando usually shoots in L.A., either at the volume or the train yard set, Uh, but he did notice uh, recently that there's this big outdoor set with like a campground and and some sort of ship was there, and it, it looked like it was in the desert. So he's speculating over on Bestman Bulletin that, Potentially, this New Mexico shoot is an extension of the outdoor set shoot for The Mandalorian Season 3. Even last week during Bryce Dallas Howard, she was uh, celebrating a birthday and she was on a set. And if you looked at the set and you consider that Mando is still in active production and that she is directing an episode, uh, she she was in a desert location. You could argue that possibly she was in New Mexico also working on The Mandalorian Season 3. So, you know, kind of piecing those things together, the fact that 
O'Hare said he's in New Mexico, kind of in a desert shoot. Rob Lowe saying that he's working on Star Wars. And then Bespin Bulletin kind of connecting dots, thinking that, hey, they, they might be doing some big outdoor desert location with a ship and a campsite. Maybe they had to move it out to New Mexico. Um, we're now at the point where we can say that Jim O'Hare could be, is rumored to be, cast in the Mandalorian season three. So now it's a question of, you know, what, what type of character could Jim play? And uh, one would hope it's probably not someone too serious. Maybe it's a character kind of like they did with Steven Root in the book of Boba Fett. You know, uh, have you seen my stapler? That guy, but he, he, he played like a, uh, what, like a, a, a water lord in, in, in most Espa. You know, he, he had a few scenes. Uh, could it be like the, the major domo guy? bringing a little comedic relief there and a recurring role or is he just going to be a you know a one-off character that gets blasted but either way there is a chance you're going to see um Gary Jerry Larry whatever you want to call him pop up in a future Star Wars project but most people out there that are in the know are thinking that he is in or will be in the Mandalorian season 3 um, so, you know, he's a, he's a fun actor. Like I said, I mean, he, he kind of plays the punching bag perfectly in terms of just being a super nice person, but then just everyone shits on him, and makes fun of him. Uh, I could see that crossing over into the Mando verse for a little comedic relief here and there. Um, but it does seem like Jim O'Hare has got himself into the Star Wars, which makes me jealous. It's like, come on, look at this mug. I could be perfect. You know, put me in a Jawa costume. Do something like that. I, I could play a Jawa. I could play a, a Freetown Raider. Something like that. I'm definitely too short for a Stormtrooper, but why not? Let's give it a go. Sign me up. I'm here for you. I can take summers off if need be, Dave. Give me a call. Okay. So, uh, you know, we were just talking about a, ca a potential casting for The Mandalorian Season 3. Now we got some actual confirmed castings for Andor, which still seems to be like the most secret Star Wars Disney Plus project to date. I mean, it, 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 it's been around the longest. I believe it was announced shortly after The Mandalorian, but it seems to be have, uh, it's the one that they're keeping under wraps the most, even more so than Kenobi. Uh, I mean, I, I believe Kenobi started filming after Andor and Kenobi is going to release before it. So um, I don't know. I, I don't think that means Andor is going to be bad. I just think it's a much bigger project than the other Disney Plus series we have gotten, uh, which does seem the case based on a rumored episode count, which I believe is upwards of. Uh, I know it's more than eight, might be 12 or 16 for Andor. But anyways, uh, two new castings have been uh, snooped out for Andor, in um, David Heyman and Rosalind Halstead. So uh, th those names probably aren't names you're familiar with, I, I would say, uh, especially if you don't live in the UK. I mean, I, uh, David Heyman, if you're in the UK, you, you probably have definitely have heard of this guy or seen him. It seems like he's done a lot of TV over there. Um, but I, I've... I, I can't really put a face on him. I, I've got a picture of him up here on the live stream if you want to check him out. Uh, but he has been cast for Andor. We don't know the role uh, on the looks of him. I mean, he could definitely play an Imperial officer, but he, he could also play kind of a 
a rough and tough rough and tough rebel commander or you know maybe kind of one of these fringe characters that andor is working with uh in in, in the underground because uh, you would think we're going to start to see a bit of andor kind of being a spy for the rebels and doing some of the more shady shit so yeah david Heyman is in andor just don't know what he's doing uh, the other one is a lovely-looking young lady, a, a redhead at that. Uh, I've got a thing for redheads. It's just they're, I don't know, they're almost like a unicorn, right? You, know, you don't see just amazing-looking redheads all the time. Uh, but Rosalind Halstead, she's somewhat unknown. I feel like I've seen her before, but I don't think I have. Maybe I'm just projecting because she's a, a pretty lady, and I'm like, ooh, caveman, girl, pretty, me like it. Uh, but apparently she is playing someone called Scaldin's wife. So probably not a huge role. Um, but uh, Scaldin, on the other hand, may be a bigger role. And again, who knows? Is Scaldin an imperial? Is he a rebel? One would think uh, they would be on one side of the fence or not. So uh, it's really, I mean, with, without having an idea on faction or characters, it, it's hard to kind of spin the old wheel of speculation on this one. So I'm not going to waste too much more time, but um, I, I don't know. Hey, there are people that look like they can be in Star Wars of anything else. Let, let's put it that way. Although I'd argue any person could uh, has the look to be in Star Wars because Star Wars is such a wild and crazy place with aliens and all sorts of different looking type of humanoid characters and locations so you never know but david Heyman, rosalind halstead are in the andor cast which at this point is is pretty large uh, but really the only confirmed cast i mean skarsgård has confirmed himself and then uh, obviously diego is in it um, I believe the lady that plays my Mothma has been confirmed to be in it. But outside of that, who knows? Who knows? All right. So moving right along. It's going to be a quick one today, my friends. Sorry. Luckily, you don't pay for this thing. Uh, I'm not going to say you're going to get your money's worth because no money is exchanging hands here. I do want to address, I haven't talked about this yet, but I've got my, my new shirt on. And if you're not in the Discord, you probably have no clue what I'm talking about. Or if you don't stop by our Instagram page, at Star Wars Time Show on a daily basis, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But last week, we, um, we celebrated Nick's custom shirt from friend of the show at Action Figure Snaps, Adrian Belgar, a fine young man. Uh, but he sent Nick a kick-ass <laughs> custom shirt that just said, Amazon, where's my lightsaber? Which, if you're a fan of this show, you get the reference, and that's why it's so awesome. If you're not, you're probably wondering if Nick has brain damage if he's wearing that shirt out in public. Uh, but at that time, I hadn't received my package yet from Adrian. So I was like, oh, I wonder if I'll get a, a custom shirt. Uh, if I don't, who cares? He's still sending some kick-ass stuff. Uh, you know, we, we got some gear for an upcoming Star Wars project that we can't quite wear yet due to embargoes. Um, but either way, I was like, I wonder if I'll get a custom shirt. Well, my friends, Adrian came through. I got my very own custom shirt. And while Amazon Wears My Lightsaber was pretty fantastic, I have to say, I think I win. So if you're on the live stream, I'm going to stand up right now and show it off. There it is in all its glory. <laughs> 
It's a shirt. If you're not on the live stream, it's a black shirt. We got uh, like the Star Wars yellow on it, and it says "I love." And then there is a a screen capture of the Star Wars Time Show live stream from probably two or three weeks ago, when I was having one of my near stroke moments of of yelling. Uh, I think it might have been when I was yelling about the celebration panels and how dare people not ask us to uh, be involved with the toy photography stuff. I've since gotten over that. Who gives a shit? Uh, but I think that's where the, the screenshot comes from. So it says, I love, and then the screenshot. And you just see my face. I mean, it looks like someone is taking both of my testicles and smashing them with a hand sledge. Because I'm like, Raw! All right, so he's got that perfect, Raw! just this rage moment. And then he, he, uh, he photoshopped in a red lightsaber and then put uh, like red laser eyes over my eyes. So it goes, I love that lovely image and then Star Wars. So it's me going like, oh, as my unhinged self expressing my love for Star Wars. It really is fantastic. I can't thank Adrian enough. He also sent some gifts for my kid. And that just goes to show you the, 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 the quality of individual at Action Figure Snaps is. Um, I, I don't know him from Adam. I mean, outside of uh, interacting through social media and the Star Wars Time Show, don't know him. He's just someone that really, since Nick and I started doing this separately, we, we've been doing this show forever, but uh, when we actually rebranded as a Star Wars Time Show, I mean, he's been with us since then. And... Uh, it's, you know what, it, 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 it's touching a bit. You know, you all know how I feel, at least you diehards, that, you know, no one gives a shit about us, no one listens to the show. I feel like most of the time I'm wasting my life and I could be doing better things. I mean, at this point, I've been, I've been trying to do, creating content and trying to carve a niche out online for, shit, since 2010? Not, yeah, 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 yeah since 2010 so over a decade at this point and you know I just things haven't quite panned out the way I thought but when someone takes time out of their day to not only make custom shirts that reflect moments from the show but to also include gifts for my daughter who I occasionally talk about that means everything to me that's why I keep doing this stupid shit that's why I keep, in my mind, wasting my time to do this dumb show. It's moments like that, knowing that just one person, one person out there derived enough joy and entertainment from this silly little show that they decided to use their resources and skills to honor the show and send us their thanks. And it is, it's like I said, it's just, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was heartwarming, it was touching, it it kind of reconfirmed that, you know what, dude, even though you're a know-nothing podcast, at least there's people out there like Adrian that are that are getting some form of entertainment out of this. So much so that they're willing to send your kid gifts. So thanks again, my man. I know we, you know, we kind of exchange DMs and Instagram, but I, I I can't tell you what that meant to get. I was sharing it. I mean, if I could, I would have hung it on my refrigerator. It made me proud. 
it made me proud to know that there's someone out there that likes us enough that they're willing to do that and make us custom shirts that are kind of like you have to be in the know to understand the shirts, but that's what makes it even better. So thank you, sir. Love you. I do appreciate it. And it's that type of stuff that keeps me going. It's not money. I, I, I could give two fucks about money when it comes to the Star Wars time show. To me, it's having reach. So the audience is always going to be a big one. But then number two is, do, are people actually entertained? Is this worth their time? So much so that they're willing to honor it in, in whatever fashion they choose to. All right. So sorry for that little tangent there. Yeah, um, Perfected Chaos has a question from the stream here. Um, he's talking about my, my first venture in content creation, which was Entertainment Buddha. Yeah, that was um, 2010 is when EB went live. And I would say by 2014, we started podcasting there, mostly about games. And then by 2015, when Force Awakens was coming around, um, that's when Nick and I linked back up. Because I'd actually met Nick in my, my gaming media adventures in my 30s i met him he was working on another site that i helped out with and uh, i met him for the first time down at pax south in san antonio and you know from there we our relationship kind of grew in terms of the star wars appreciation uh so 2015 when tfa came out that's when nick and i were like hey let's you want to do i was like i already do a podcast i got it all set up do you want to start talking about star wars and blah 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 we did that all the way up to t 2018, and then we we're like, you know what? Let's get away from EB, start the Star Wars time show, and here we are. Here we are. All right, all all ten of you that listen, you're like brothers to me, the apostles of the SWTS. All right, that's enough going down uh, memory lane here, but it has been a while. I keep doing it, clearly for people like Adrian. And the rest of you that show up every week in the live stream, I speak your name as well. The Bats, the Big Amishes, the Black Series Clips, the, the Klondike Studios of the world. We love you too. Look at Devin's in here, Super Scoundrel, Rick Emmert, Optimus Crime. He, he's another longtime fan. That's why we do what we do. I just wish there was more of you. <laughs> That's it, man. Come on. Like, you know, seeing these other sites or SWNN, I know people think I don't like that. I, I, I respect SWNN. I wish we were a little bit, uh, at least had more of their following and impact within the Star Wars fan community. Uh, but I do. I, I would like a larger audience. Y you never know. But that, that's what keeps me going. Just the kind of the, the, the feedback from fans, the respect fans give us, and just the fact that people tune in. I mean, uh, you know, some months it could be 600 a week. Other months it could be 300 a week. Uh, and while I bitch about that, I still do greatly appreciate those that tune in. I just wish we could do, you know, add another zero or two to those numbers. And then, then we'd be talking, then we'd be where at, then we'd be where I want to be. All right. So uh, some more stuff coming up in the chat about Star Wars Celebration. So thank you gentlemen for reminding me, um, tickets are going to go back on sale March 15. So you might want to check out the Star Wars Celebration site. If you still need to uh, snag tickets, to me that kind of, I think that's kind of a warning sign that that maybe, and it could be a good thing for people that are going. But the, they've never d really done this before. I mean, they they may uh, open kind of an aftermarket sales site where fans, it's kind of like a StubHub, 
But I, I've never, I can't remember in recent memory where a celebration has been able to reopen uh, four-day passes, two-day passes, whatever, a, a few weeks before the actual celebration. So I don't know if that means that attendance is down, ticket sales are down, or if they just increase the amount of people they're going to let in because a lot of the restrictions are, are going away for COVID. Uh, but if you did not get Celebration 2022 tickets, you can snag them. In terms of the Star Wars time show, when it comes to Celebration, we will not be there. Uh, there there's a couple reasons for this. Uh, initially, when Anaheim Celebration was, was supposed to take place, it was in 2020. Uh, it was in, I believe, August or July. And that's something we were considering. That got canceled. 2021 version got canceled. And it eventually got moved to the end of May. And there's a big problem with the end of May for me because that is one of our biggest, like, Haywood family vacation weeks of the year. We go to the same place every year. I've been going there ever since I was a little kid. It comes during my break in between the spring and the summer semester. So I will, I will actually be at the beach when celebration is going on. So it was more just bad timing on top of bad timing on top of rescheduling. And uh, once it hit May in that week, I knew there was no chance I was going to be able to make it out because I'm not going to give up uh, family vacation time to go to Star Wars Celebration, especially if I'm not running a panel, <laughs> right? The narcissism, the, the narcissism kicking in there. Um, but um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think it'll be a fun one. I have no clue what they're going to talk about. Uh, hopefully... And maybe get some insights into Rogue Squadron, some of the active movies. Maybe hear something on Taika's project, if that's even a real thing. Uh, but I, I have a feeling uh, this celebration may be somewhat low-key in terms of big reveals. Uh, you might just get some updates and maybe first looks at some of the stuff coming out. Because uh, I don't even know how they're going to give you like an, an Ahsoka first look at this point, considering it's not even going to start filming right until uh, May of this year. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I don't like missing celebrations, especially being a content creator that no one listens to, but, um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, this one doesn't feel like the 2019 celebration where, you know, they were going to show off the Mandalorian for the first time. They were going to announce the title of episode nine for the first time and show off the first trailer. They're going to talk about, I believe, Fallen Order for the first time. There was a lot of huge shit at the 2019 panel. Yeah. What, what, one six shooter. Sorry. I, I know there's a little more dead air than I like to have on a, uh, but it's a one man show and I am trying to read some of the live stream comments here. Um, oh, stop already. Yeah. No, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm uh, Star Wars time show will not have a presence at this celebration. But like I said, I, I think this could be a good one to miss because who, do, who the hell knows what they're gonna do? There isn't any clear tentpole project like some of the past ones. Uh, you know, in 17, the one in Orlando, it was clear it was gonna be The Last Jedi and, and, and talking about, uh, no, I think it was just like The Last Jedi. And then 2019, it was okay. The Mandalorian and Andor and uh, Episode 9. Um, so this one, I, I, if, if this is going to be your first time ever going to a celebration, let me give you some tips. 
if you plan on doing panels and they're not doing a lottery, plan on spending a lot of time camping out in lines. If they're doing a lottery, plan on being disappointed and uh, having bad luck. If you're not planning on doing panels, I would probably only buy a day or two pass because the show floor itself, no joke, the show floor itself, unless you feel like waiting in lines for some of the longer exhibit shit they have on it, you can get through the show floor in about an hour tops. Hour tops. So, um, I would only do a four-day pass if you're planning on getting into panels or if you just want to be around some friends that are coming into town, you just want to, you know, shoot the shit, walk the floor, cosplay a bit, have some fun, and then, you know, hit, hit a bar, hit a restaurant, hit a venue afterwards. Because outside of panels, celebration is, is kind of... Kind of basic when it comes to the show floor. When you walk in, you're going to be like, Hah! you know, that, that, that Star Wars fandom is going to come out of you almost like vomit. But within an hour, you're going to be like, all right, I've seen that. I've seen that. I'm not buying that stuff. I'm not going there. I don't need to buy that. I don't feel like waiting in the Lego line. I don't feel like waiting in the Rancho Obi-Wan line. So you can get done with the show floor very quickly. Uh, to me, the advantage of having multi-day passes is the whole panel deal. Um, yeah. The, the other thing, uh, if you plan on doing autographs or even going to the Celebration store to get some of the exclusives, also bank on a lot of waiting in lines. Uh, they did a lottery in Chicago, which was the last one. They didn't do a lottery in Orlando, which was the one before that. And... Uh, <laughs> I know Trevor's going to hate me. I, I much prefer the lottery because I got lucky as fuck and got, I got the, the Rise of Skywalker panel, the Mandalorian, and I think Fallen Order. Uh, but when it came to the Orlando one where there was no lottery, I, I got one panel. And it was a good one. It was with uh, Ray Park and um, Warwick Davis. Uh, but I didn't get into any, like, any of the Ryan Johnson stuff or the TLJ panels, which at that time, obviously, a lot of people were excited about because they hadn't seen the movie yet. So that, that's kind of my, my uh, Cliff's Notes on going to Star Wars Celebration if you've never been there. And, and I've been to a lot. I think I've been to at least five or six. I went to the second one ever when they were still being held at the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. I mean, that's, I cosplayed when it wasn't even called cosplay. Uh, so I've been to a few of these and, and, and kind of know the, the ins and outs. Uh, but panels are usually excellent if you can get into them. That's my favorite part of celebration these days. But sometimes the, the stress of trying to get into a panel or just knowing that you're going to have to wait for hours and hours in line, it doesn't make it worth it. So there you go. All right. Hey there, Brando. Welcome to the show. Just gave my lowdown on celebration and why we will not be there and how those that are noobs can best enjoy it. Um, if it is your first time though, and you're going with friends, I would recommend going for at least two days. That way you, you can kind of hang out, enjoy the atmosphere. Cause really celebration outside of the panels, it, it's about being with your kind of people. Everyone there, even if they're, they're an ass face in real life for those four days, they're usually not ass faces. They're either dressed up or got some Star Wars shirts on and they're just there in the, in the convention hall having a good time talking with, again, like-minded individuals, at least when it comes to um, 
Star Wars, right? And uh, who knows how they manage it at Anaheim, but if they manage it, at least from a security perspective, like they did at Chicago, uh, you may not need passes or reservations or lottery wins at all because Chicago... I don't know if it's because it was cold and the security employees were like, fuck this, we don't care. But you could pretty much walk into the show floor in Chicago without having a badge and no one would say a damn thing to you. Uh, The same thing could be done with the panels. Uh, You just, you know, grab like a a barcode and just be like, oh, here it is, here it is, and just walk in. They wouldn't even scan it. So um, keep an eye out on that. You know, get get with your 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 shadier friends that may may try to sneak in. They'll let you know how it goes. Because uh, Chicago just blew my mind how lax they were with security. I loved it because it kept things flowing. Unlike Orlando, which was just a line hell just to even get in the place every day. Um, but there was a lot of people at the Chicago celebration that I guarantee you spent zero dollars on a pass. All right, that was a long tangent. Here we go. All right, so the um, last topic before we get into this week's version of the fan segment deals with Star Wars Eclipse, which, if you remember from right towards the end of 2021, was announced at the, I believe, the Game Awards. You you, you got this kick-ass cinematic trailer. Uh, The Star Wars Eclipse is a game that we know is being worked on by Quantic Dream. Everything looked awesome. Most fans, at least those that aren't in gaming and know kind of some of the troubles behind Quantic Dream and... And some of its uh, managers were like, this looks great. When are we going to get it? At that point in time, and like I said, this was like the end of 2021, a lot of outlets were reporting, hey, Star Wars Eclipse is at least, you know, three years, four years away. So we're thinking 2025, 2026. Well, last week from a respective, respected, not respective, respected, Video Game Insider, his name's Tom, not uh, MySpace Tom, another Tom. But uh, Tom last week put out a, refor- a report for this X-Fire site, kind of a, it was like an investigative report into Star Wars Eclipse and uh, some of the perceived troubles it may face in its development. And what was found out is that Star Wars Eclipse may not see the light of day until 2027 or 2028, and that's because Quantic Dreams can't hire a staff. They can't attract top-level developers to the studio. So according to X-Fire, the reason the trailer was put out so soon, you know, we got it in 2021, this game may not now come out for you know, seven years. The reason they put it out so soon, and and other studios have done this, just not with that long of a development window. But according to X-Fire, this trailer, excellent trailer, by the way, was put out to not only drum up interest with fans and gamers, but to try to entice developers to come and work on the game. Like, hey, check out this trailer. It's awesome. It's going to be set in the High Republic. It's going to be open world. You're not just going to control one character. You're going to be in charge of multiple characters. I mean, we didn't just get a trailer for Eclipse. We got a full-on website with press links and media you could download, wallpapers. I mean, they went all in. Like, yeah, this, this is a real thing. It's happening. We're going to be playing this in a few years. Well, apparently a lot of that was put up to 
not just market to us, prospective people to spend money on it, but to try and recruit developers. And apparently that ploy has failed. Uh, according to Cross Xfire, this is um, Quantic Dream still has the same amount, if not more, job positions posted than it did at the end of 2021. So think about, you know, a company has a job board. They're trying to recruit people. And two or three months later, not a single job posting has been removed, which means they haven't recruited the people. They haven't filled the positions. So it's, it's, it's looking like the stink that is on Quantic Dreams, even Star Wars and this excellent Eclipse cinematic trailer is not enough to convince developers in the industry to go work on the game. Okay, so that's why it is now being reported that Star Wars Eclipse really doesn't have a chance to release until 2027 and may even get pushed to 2028. I mean, at this point, it, it, it's starting to sound like Avatar 2, you know, where, where it's announced... Shit, I think we could argue Avatar 2 was probably announced over a decade ago. And I don't even know if it's done shooting principal photography yet. So I, 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 I do hope Eclipse at some point in time makes it into a gaming device that I own. Because at this point, I mean, fuck Xbox Series X or PS5. We're, we're going to be on to at least the, the 6 and the next iteration of the Xbox Series, whatever dumb name they decide to give it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I hope the game doesn't go the way of, of a Star Wars 1313 where it just ultimately ends up getting scrapped due to one issue or another. Um, oh, I, I did forget to mention, apparently uh, Crossfire is also saying that Quantic may have also showed off the trailer early and, and tried to drum up interest to hopefully get a buyout. Just to kind of get, just just go away. Have someone have another studio take it over, kind of wash the stink out from. I forget the name. I think his name's Cage, David Cage. Maybe he's the one that uh, is reported to, or allegedly, is a, a real big dickhead to work for. Uh, both of you are a, a female or uh, in the LGBTQ plus community, uh, so they were hoping someone would just buy it, and, and maybe then they could attract talent to create star wars eclipse so who knows maybe microsoft will kind of do what it's been doing over the years and instead of uh, trying to just come up with better first party games they just buy every developer out there uh, maybe they'll they'll snag it up and microsoft will eventually get eclipse out but at this point in time the uh the story for eclipse is not looking great development sounds like it's dead in the water the studio can't get talent therefore it is uh, moving at a snail's pace. All right, we made it. I had a feeling I would go this long by myself, so thank you to the live streamers for at least giving me a few prompts that I could go on too long of tangents, but that's what happens sometimes. If you ask questions, you never know what sort of dumb shit will come out of my head and through my mouth. 
But it's that time of the show for this week's version of the fan segment, which if you are new here and you want to get involved and either have a comment read on the show live or a piece of your art discussed on the show live, your best bet is to be following Star Wars Time Show on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. So we usually start with the fan question of the week, which I pose every Tuesday on our Instagram account, both in the stories and posts that just asks kind of a general Star Wars question. I will admit this this week's question sucked. I think we had like four four replies on it, so that's usually a sign that it was a a turd. So I apologize to our fans out there for not being creative enough to cook up a question that you cared about. Um, but once you leave a comment, depending on how many we get, we'll then read up to five on the fan segment during the question of the week, which is right now. So let's go ahead and bring up our Slack board so we can see the question of the week if you're on the live stream. And there it is. So this week's question I put out there to the Star Wars Time Show faithful, all 25 of you, what project are you hoping to learn more about or announced at at this year's Star Wars celebration? See, I tried to kind of play in with a current subject in the Star Wars news verse, the whole idea that tickets are back on sale. I was like, yeah, hey, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go with the celebration angle. Well, it was a big fucking fail. I mean, no, no, even, even Rippick Tan, who is almost like clockwork replies to our question of the week and our stories. <clears throat> he didn't even reply. So this was a turd. I do thank those of you, the, I think the four of you that replied to the post, which means you're going to have your responses read this week. So let's get right into it. Who's up first? Hold on. I think I have a. I have a pube stuck in my throat. Ugh. All right. So, first up from TBS Data Vault. I actually think Nick picked them last week, so they're, they're getting on there. But like I said, this week it wasn't hard because we didn't have to filter through any of them because there were only four comments. But TBS Data Vault says, With all the buildup in the Boba Fett cameo show, I'm really excited for Mando S3 and Ahsoka series. Would love to hear more official casting for Thrawn and Ezra and would love some sort of sneak peek for the Mandalorian. Also can't wait for all the Kenobi content that will surround the event. Bring on the Inquisitors. So, TBS brings up a good point, especially for those of you that are going to be at Celebration. I think that's that half the fun is going to be that you're going to be at Celebration with a bunch of other Star Wars goons like me won't be there, but by goon, I mean we love Star Wars, stars, Star Wars is life type of people. And, and having Kenobi kind of being live, that's going to be fun. I'm sure there's going to be watch parties. There might even be official watch parties. That's definitely going to be fun. In terms of seeing Ahsoka stuff or Mando S3, possibly. I, I could see it being more of like a cast panel than, than, than showing stuff up showing stuff off uh the the first ever mandalorian panel at the chicago celebration they brought the cast out and then they kind of showed a a sizzle reel of b-roll i think that's the best you would get for ahsoka or mando s3 uh, I, I don't think there's going to be any finished footage available for celebration but that could just be me being a wiener because i'm not going to be there and i don't want to miss it so you also have to keep that in the back of your mind 
Um, but yeah, I, I th- that would be um, if we got the the official Thrawn and Ezra casting. To me, that would be similar to again the Chicago celebration during the Tross panel, where at that time it was just Episode Nine. When at the very end they bust out fucking Ian McDiarmid, like that was crazy. Like no one, yeah, clearly no one thought that the Emperor would be back. And with hindsight, I, I I hate that they brought the Emperor back, but whatever. That's where we're at. That's what we have to live with. Uh, but that would be cool to get a moment like that for Thrawn or Ezra at, at a panel if that does happen. So thank you, TBS Data Vault. Up next, we have good old Bat, one of our um, longtime fans and an active Discord member. If you want to join our Discord, we have an open access link in our Instagram account. Just go ahead and click into the link tree and you will be taken to the promised land. So Bat is saying, also looking forward to The Acolyte. Think it could be a really cool show. Actually hoping to hear some news on that Rebels Series 2, if still planned. The Mandalorian Season 4, The War for Mandalore, and Vader the series. Of course, these last two are completely wishlist material. Well, Bat, I, I would say on Mando Season 4, if, if we can believe Giancarlo, and this, this is months and months and months, if not a year back, he did make it seem like they're at least going into a fourth season, so I think you're going to get that. Uh, the Vader series, I'm with you. That, that's always going to be at the top of my wish list. Sadly, I, I think we're going to kind of just get the quasi version of it in the Kenobi series. I think the Rebels Series 2 thing is DOA uh, due to the Ahsoka series. I, I hope they address some of those lingering threads in the Ahsoka series. Otherwise, if, if they ever do another animated Rebels, I think it would have to be um, solely focused on Hera and her her son that she had with Kanan and kind of seeing what, what sort of fruit that would offer up. Um, but yeah, you know, Acolyte maybe getting the lead, a little bit more on that. that, that definitely would be cool. And then Scuds join in there. And Sir Dork. Look at this. Bat getting a little comment chain going. Uh, they're all supporting Bat and his call on the Acolyte. Up next, and this is it really, because like I said, <laughs> this question sucked. Uh, but Uncanny Figures, Max Rebo, a Star Wars story. I don't think fans would be disappointed, even though I believe that it has a little bit of sarcasm dripping from it. And then Jedi Knight inside, heir to the Empire. All right. Never know. You never know. So that was a question of the week responses this week. Thank you to those of you that took the time to reply to that shitty question. Um, Clearly, the lack of replies was the vote of no confidence in my ability to cook up a good question. So I apologize to those of you that abstained from this week's question of the week because <laughs> it was it was clearly terrible so sorry for that anyone else having fun yet i mean solo shows aren't bad they're just i don't know i i, I feel like they suck compared to when nick is here there you go there's my boy smith coming in with his jar jar fantasies i'll tell you that this guy this 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 smith character in the live stream you got to watch out for him in jar jar could be one of the biggest Jar Jar fanboys of all time, and he's not not kidding. Like I, I think if this guy could, he he would give um, Ahmad a kiss 
and possibly a reach around. So watch out. All right. What do you think? A little top five time here. Kind of running out of gas, spinning my wheels. Like I said, I feel like I'm boring everybody because it's just one man talking. I, I feel more like a preacher today than ever before. And I know a lot of you, like fans of Nick, uh, you, you accuse me of, of stepping on him too much, which I do. I mean, I can't help myself. You know, sometimes he'll either take a little too long or I just can't wait. And I got to be like, blah, I'm Matt. My opinion matters more than anybody. Rah, rah, I can be louder. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I'm getting a few, um, a few reversals on their vote of no confidence. Now they do have confidence in me so I don't have to worry about um, Senator Palpatine trying to kick me out of my chancellorship at this point in time. Yeah, you know what? I, I've actually looked into taking calls and I think if I choose to drop five or $600 on like a Roadcaster Pro board, I could do that quite easily because you can essentially Bluetooth your phone into the deck and it becomes a, an audio bed that I could use. It's just, and I, I know people don't like listening to this, but it's, um, is it worth the investment for the, the audience and the reach that this show has? I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. You all would have to tell me. Um, but I, I would, uh, it would be cool. I, I, I could bring in some sound effects, maybe try to, those of you that are fans of the Stern like myself, try to get a little, little Fred action going on, but I, I fear that I would then just be fully distracted and only be wor worrying about, you know, making fart sounds or, or other like little bloop, 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 or hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now, hitting the hey now button a little too much. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've definitely thought about taking calls and there are ways to do it. I think the easiest way would just be investing in that, that, um, Roadcaster Pro, but is it worth the five, $600? Probably. Is it worth the frustration that it's going to take for me to set it up and make sure everything's perfect? That's where I, I tend to draw the line there. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, we get a lot of, uh, first time, long time. A lot of that stupid shit. <laughs> you know, you know, anyone that listens to talk radio, do, do you not just cringe when, when callers call in and say that? Hey there, Howard. First time, long time. It's like, he doesn't fucking care. Just get to your point. And that's, that's kind of how I would run it if we did take, take calls. All right? <laughs> so, one of these days, uh, I, I've definitely thought about it. it it's more of a, an effort and cost thing. Because, I, I don't know, working seven years in corporate IT and being on call, it, it broke me as a man when it comes to technology. I have the know-how with a lot of this shit. Uh, I just don't want to do it because I, I, I don't want to like have PTSD of, of fixing systems and having, you know, millions of dollars be wasted while people are waiting for me to fix something. So that's a reason I, I, I try to keep tech as basic as possible on this show. But trust me, the uh, the wannabe professional podcaster in me has, has definitely done some research on that roadcaster and, and doing calls and sound effects, all that fun stuff. All right, no one gives a shit about that. We are here for the final 
segment in the fan segment. It's a segment within a segment. That's right, people. I said it. And that is the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. And the week is covering March 4th through March 11th. Young Nick left me hanging on this, so I had to do this myself this morning. Sorry for it being a little late. And um, here we go. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people are having fun in the live stream thinking about me taking calls and what, what that would do for my, my lifespan. I mean, I, I think I've already shaved at least 10 years off my life just from doing this show in general and all the yelling and blood pressure raising that happens. Um, but yeah, with, uh, um, with, with calls, it would, it would be crazy. Uh, what else we got here? Yeah, oh yeah, bat. I, I mean, I that that happened before we went live. But for NFL fans out there, big big time movement. Russell Wilson going to Denver. Denver gave up the uh, the farm, if you will, to get him. So, okay, so let, let's get in that top five. And and if you're not familiar with this segment, this is where we go through and we honor five artists that we have featured throughout the week on our Instagram account. Uh, if you want to get mixed up in it and you make Star Wars art of any kind, real ass paint, toy photography, tattoos poo photography you know any sort of waste photography doesn't matter we're here for you just tag at star wars time show and use hashtag star wars time show i'll look at those every morning and i will feature them on the page and then after a week has passed young nick usually sits down with his bourbon and a stogie and picks his five favorite from the week this week that did not happen because nick is in france eating french fries so i did it all I did the featuring, and I did uh, and I did the top five selection. So without further ado, here who hears, I'm just gonna stop. Okay, you guys know what I was. I I, I was about to say something. I can't clearly. I can't form it right now. So I'm just gonna move on. All right. Without further ado, here's our first pick. Look at this beauty. Okay, if you're on the live stream, you can see it in view. I'm going to try to zoom in a little bit so we get a less bullshit from our site and more of the lovely art that we're looking at. And we are looking at a shot from at Tank Toys on Instagram. So Tank Toys, all one word, very easy to figure out. And you're going to want to remember it because this is a fantastic toy photography account to check out. So the shot we're looking at here... Tank has essentially built the temple that we see uh, Luke's androids building in the Book of Boba Fett. The one that we saw Luke and Grogu in for Grogu's choice. But what Tank is doing here is amazing. He's got Grogu on the window ledge looking out at a starry sky. And I and and, and and so it's a shot of Grogu's back, but you you get all the feels from the setup. You you can you can you can feel literally feel Grogu yearning for Din, his former life, his friend. You know he he's he's looking out into the sky. I believe one of the influences at Tank Toys used here was um was that the American Tale? Five goes west, something like that. There's a song like somewhere out there beneath the star hill. 
someone's thinking of me blah 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 all right some of you if you're born in the 70s and 80s you probably know what i'm talking about but i i believe that was part of the influence tank used here uh, so it, it, instead of five the little mouse or rat thinking wishing upon a star to be with his family again it's grogu so not only is it a great looking shot it's a well composed shot and the setup is just insane i mean the the, the starry sky blended in with the with the practical set that i believe tank built probably through a styrofoam board but it just i mean it really does look like somehow tank made it to whatever planet luke is building his temple on asked to become grogu's personal photographer and took a lovely shot that Grogu was planning to post to his Instagram to get some clout. It's just fantastic, and as is all posts from At Tank Toys. So if, if you're not following At Tank Toys yet on Instagram, make sure to do so. Go check out their main page, because you will get the same level of quality in every post that Tank puts out. And, and I'd say Tank is one of the best out there for you know, uh, envisioning something and then being able to not only take the shot, but build the dios, build the set pieces, and really kind of tell a story with their toy photography. So at Tank Toys, give them a look. Up next, one of the Jedi Masters of toy photography at Plastic Action. That's right, our buddy Jack's friend of the show. Uh, he was on a, a few months back, if you remember, is when uh, Jason at work more or less was filling in. Uh, we interviewed Jax and you know, he kind of hung around and, and talked with us, did the top five. Uh, real great stuff. But uh, I mean, plastic action, like I said, if you're in the toy photography scene, you know who this person is. Uh, they have just skyrocketed over the past five years. Uh, Jax is doing projects for Shaq. I mean, him and Shaq are like on a first name basis. It's just kick ass. But uh, at Plastic Action's latest Star Wars post, it's just another, another example of why Jax has become so popular and his work is being sought out by people, by celebrities, by brands wanting to collaborate with him. And if you're on the stream, we're, we're, looking, at, we're looking at a shirtless Din Djarin who's got Grogu on his back, kind of like Luke would in, in a backpack. And uh, Din still has like his armored pants on and all that fun stuff. And he still has his helmet on because this is the way, right? But he's got the dark saber and Luke's training remote is there. Not to mention two Porgs looking on and a family of Porgs behind them. So while it's, it's, it's kind of a cheeky scene, it's also kind of a fun thing to just think about like what what if Grogu somehow does help Din out with the Darksaber uh, I know they really can't communicate but but what if through the force somehow Grogu helps Din train with it and get better at wielding it to the point where it no longer feels so heavy so I, I don't know if that's what Jax was going for or if it was more just kind of a fun setup, you know, seeing Mando with no no shirt on. He's got a mythosaur tattoo on his shoulder and Grogu on the back with the training remote and the porgs. But it, it, it very well could be like a, a, a what if type of scene. Like what if Grogu is trying to or succeeds in imparting some of his lessons to Din as Din learns to get better at wielding the Darksaber, which... 
at least through the finale of Book of Boba Fett, we saw he still struggles to lift it and swing it fluidly strike after strike. He, he's still, he's hung up on something. He's not able to channel the energy through the Darksaber versus the Darksaber kind of controlling him. Um, but with that, with that being said, all, all the, the, the fun aspects of the shot, it, it just looks great. I mean, the, the, the tone to it, the post-processing, I mean, it just really is. I mean, plastic action, he's a pro, a true pro. When you start getting paid to do this stuff, you are a true professional. So um, I'm sure you're already following them, but if you've somehow forgotten that or you're new here, at Plastic Action on Instagram. All right, up next, we have a gem of a, a series of figures from depth underscore of underscore figures. And this could be one of my favorite, like, alt-world Star Wars toy shots I've ever seen. And by alt-world, I mean, I mean it, it's got Doc from Back to the Futures in it, Aphra's in it, Gamora's in it. I even think Star, Star Lord's in it. So it's a little, little bit more of a mashup than a pure Star Wars shot. But what makes it so great is that Depth of Figures took the, it looks like the, either the Bill Burr figure, the, the Miggs Mayfeld figure from The Mandalorian, or maybe just a a sculpt of Bill Burr's head and is positioning Miggs as a stand-up comedian, just like his real life alter ego Bill Burr is. So imagine if you, if you, if you're not on the live stream, you're just listening. Imagine seeing Miggs Mayfeld in the cantina doing an open mic set. That is what depth of figures gave us. And it is just absolutely brilliant. It, it, they have successfully made Migs a Star Wars stand-up. And there's multiple shots, and they all look great. I mean, you got you got Migs there. He's got the mic in one hand. He's holding the mic stand with another, just like um, you would see stand-ups doing when they're when they're delivering a set. There's some in, uh, atmosphere in the shot to you know to kind of flesh out the scene. You got some good lighting in there. Um, but there, there's multiple shots and each shot is a different angle and you're getting different reactions from Burr and it's just fantastic. I mean, it really does feel like Miggs Mayfeld after Din and Kara let him go at the end of, what was that season two, episode seven decided to, you know what? I'm not going to get mixed up in any more conflicts. I tried the empire thing. I tried doing, you know, this, this rebel thing with, with Kara and Mando. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my hand in stand-up. And that's what At Depth of Figures is, is showing us what that would look like. And it, it's just great. I mean, that I feel like this, this has to be a custom figure. I don't know if it's mashed from other figures or if it's a full custom. But it, 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 it looks better than the actual Migs Mayfeld character that um, Hasbro is putting out. The one where he's in the kind of the, the tank trooper uniform he can pop his helmet off and get his face so just a, a brilliant concept great execution I, I love when people kind of think outside the box with with their star wars shots and, and put characters in situations you would never see them in in star wars and that's exactly what at depth underscore of underscore figures has achieved in this shot just kick-ass stuff it's too bad Bill Burr hates Star Wars and Star Wars fans because I, I think even he, with as big of a curmudgeon as he is, especially with Star Wars, 
I think he would he would laugh at this. I think he would get a chuckle out of it and appreciate it. Um, but I don't think he checked it. Us sharing it, and I don't know if he checked uh, depth of figure sharing it either, because we we definitely tagged him trying to get his um, trying to get his uh, attention. Hey, look at this. Um, depth of figures is actually joining us in the live stream. Keith Barker um, giving us some updates here. So the figure is. So use the head from the original figure, and then the body is the Poe Dameron, the Last Jedi body. So thank you for that update, Keith. Appreciate you uh, joining the stream. I actually think you subbed to the channel already, so I'm not even going to give you that pitch. We speak your name. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you'll come back next time. All right, so uh, give him a follow, at depth underscore of underscore figures. All right. So the next artist to celebrate is at Force Dad Photography, who's uh, definitely dabbles in Star Wars 375 a lot, so the smaller scale figures. Oh, sweet. Keith is uh, telling us that Bill did reshare it to his IG story, so congrats on that, Keith. I'm sure that made you feel pretty damn good. It's always awesome when we get the people we're, we're, we're paying homage to in our art to actually see it and respond to it, so that's awesome. Kick ass. Uh, like I said, hopefully you stick around and, and keep tuning into the SWTS. Uh, but back to our, our next artist, at Force Dad Photography. And um, Force Dad is, is, in my opinion, one of the best at world building in terms of telling stories in his toy photography. Uh, Force Dad 3D prints and builds pretty much everything you see in his shots outside of the standard TVC figures and the shot we're looking at now is to me it's kind of like it's it's giving us some backstory on on Mandalore and how Moff Gideon came in possession of the Darksaber from Bo-Katan um so you see Bo-Katan kind of locked up. You got some death troopers behind her and a, and a K2 droid. And you see Gideon sitting behind a desk holding the saber, almost like, oh, I got this finally. We got you. So um, that's the first panel of the story. Uh, then the next panel, I'd argue, is, is, is a, you know, the focus shifts to Bo. She's got her, her um, handcuffs on. Kind of a look of like, oh man, we, we've we've screwed the pooch here. He's got the dark saber. We're we're done for here on Mandalore. Then the next panel is even better. You have a window in this office where Moff is showing the destruction of a Night of a Thousand Tears to Bo. So it's like he's he's forcing her to watch what the Empire is doing to her planet, which I just found to be brilliant. Not just an idea to, to shoot this, but also the execution. It's just a damn good looking shot. The next panel, just more of, of the uh, Night of a Thousand Tears out the window. You got Moff and the K2 looking at the, at the horror taking place outside. And then the next panel, you see the Death Troopers. One's holding her helmet, walking her out of Gideon's office, probably taking her to the brig. And then, yeah, you, you can just see them again walking her away. Um, Bo with a feeling of depression clearly washing over her face. So, um, like I said, at Force Dad does some amazing things with the 375 scale figures <clears throat> and really does tell stories in almost every post. You know, there's almost an, always a swiper from Force Dad with a series of uh, unique shots that end up 
as he calls it, building a little bit of a uh, a little world for people to take part in. So that's at Force Dad Photography on Instagram. All right, and then our last top five for the week, one of my personal favorite accounts. Really, all these are personal favorites. Remember, I'm the one doing the features. I don't usually do the top five, so it was kind of like cheating this week. I knew what, what, I, what I was about to see. Uh, and it, it still wasn't easy. I mean, it, it's amazing how how many toy photographers there are now, but also how much better some toy photographers have gotten over the years just keeping up with the hobby. But anyways, our, our final artist here is the good old at wretched.hive on Instagram. And um, this is just another brilliant uh, 3.75 inch scale figure shot. I mean, it, it's like a movie still from the opening moments of A New Hope. So to set it up for those of you on the traditional podcast platforms, if you're not on the stream, we are looking at the door that the Empire storms through in A New Hope on the Tanti floor. All right, so the door they explode, come billowing through. Uh, you know, we've got rebels are you know bodies strewn across, and it's just like when Dater Dater, you can tell I've been talking too much by myself. Um, but Vader, aka Lord of the Sith or Sith Lord a.k.a. the fallen Anakin Skywalker. But he, he's standing in that, in that corridor, kind of looking at the, at, the, at the destruction his stormtroopers have wrought upon the rebel forces. And I, I'm assuming Wretched Hive is using the official Hasbro um, 3.75 scale TNT4 playset, and maybe got the new, the new trooper pack, but... It, they just, it, it looks like a still from A New Hope. That, that, that's the best way I can describe it. You know, we're, we're pretty dopey at this point in the show. And we also, neither Nick or I are creatives by default. We're not artists. We, we, we pretend to be. So we don't, we don't have a lot of great words to describe the more artistic talent that comes across our eyes and then makes it onto the show. Uh, so like I said, the best way is just Wretched Hive is giving us a movie still with figures that are, you know, slightly larger than my member, 3.75 inches. And it just, I mean, Wretched makes them look like actual characters. If anything, makes them look like Black Series figures, which is a feat in and of itself. I mean, the vintage collection has, has come miles, even since um, the days of, of Rogue One and Force Awakens and TLJ. I mean... It is hard not to want to go back to that scale because they are like little black series these days, but I don't want to get into my, my collecting woes and all that sickness I, I still have and shit I still buy that I don't need to buy, that I don't shoot anymore because I hardly do toy photography. There, there, there's a time and place for that, and that place is not now. But um, it, it's just a great shot. I mean, that, that's all I can say from at Wretched Hive here. Just great atmosphere, great posing. Great scene staging. It's it's just a vintage Vader shot. Um, but the the thing that really is impressive to me is if you're on the live stream. I mean, again, look look how tiny this little mall figure is. This is the 3.75 inch scale, also known as the Matt Ween scale here at the Star Wars Time Show. It's tiny, little. All right. So the fact that Wretched can make him look that big that is 
impressive. All right. Well, you know, Nick usually uh, sets up the, the tee off for me to put the show to bed, but he is not here, so I'll, I'll pretend I'm Nick. All right, Matt. Well, that's the end of the top five, and now it's time to end the show. Thanks, Nick. And here I am to do just that. I would like all of you to go to StarWarsTime.net. No, okay, I'm not going to do it that way, but seriously. Uh, we do it all the time at the end of the show. It's the, the best way to remind all of you where to stay kind of engaged with the Star Wars Time Show in between our live stream and podcast, which uh, happen every Tuesday. We do the live stream, and then the recorded podcast comes out on Wednesday. It's usually the same content. It's just for the people that can't make the um, uh, make the stream. But the best way to kind of stay in touch, or if you are new and you want to figure out what podcast platforms we're, we're on, just head on over to StarWarsTime.net. That's the best place I can send you on the wild, wild web. There you will find easy links to subscribe to our platforms. Even if you do watch the live stream, I'd still appreciate a sub on a podcast platform, especially the big popular ones that allow ratings and reviews like iTunes. I believe Spotify does that now. I don't know if Pandora does. So if they do and you, you haven't subbed or you have subbed but you haven't rated a review yet, I mean, outside of making me shirts like this, I love Star Wars! That's the best thing you can do for us. Word of mouth, talk about it, recommend it, rate and review it on any platform that that is available for you to do. So again, you can find all those easy links, even our YouTube, that's over on StarWarsTime.net as well. In fact, if you scroll down a little bit, we just have a very simple subscribe button. You don't even have to think. You just sit there and click on it and you'll be subbed to the show. So one more time, StarWarsTime.net. That's where you can get all things SWTS in between our weekly show. We do do content. We'll, we'll cover the important news topics every once in a while. You know, I'll do a, a video on a comic book. I didn't do a, a video last week on uh, Star Wars 21 because it was terrible. It was a shit issue. It completely went away from all the interesting Luke stuff we were getting into with him training with High Republic Jedis and training with Yoda via Holocron. And it went right back to just the Rebels and, and Poe's mom stuck on a ship. And I was just like, no. No, not worth my time. Not even worth the recap. But um, hopefully this week, I think we get another Crimson Rain. So maybe we'll get to that. All right, people. You may be asking yourself, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I watching this idiot? Why am I subscribing to these fools? Well, the answer is simple. There's always time for Star Wars time. There really is. Think about it. If you're, if you're a fan of Star Wars, there's always time for Star Wars time. Don't you forget it. StarWarsTime.net And besides, if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show. The Force will be with you always.